Hello, this is the State Senate DFL Podcast, Call of the Senate. I'm your host, Senator Jeff Hayden. Thank you for joining us. Senator John Marty, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about climate change, energy, and the environment. Welcome, Senator Marty. Thank you. Glad to be with you. So, Senator Marty, I imagine if you've been under a rock, but um, everybody has been talking about climate change lately, one way or the other. We know that you've spent significant amount of time over the years uh, working on this issue. So why don't we just start out in a very basic way and kind of help us understand um, why climate change is so important. What have we learned over the last few years? What's going on uh, uh, in our in our environment that, that we really need to pay attention to? Sure, glad to do so. And it's, it's interesting because we've known for several decades that we've got a problem that the more carbon dioxide and certain gases we emit into the atmosphere, the more it holds in the Earth's heat. Um, It doesn't radiate out into outer space and it holds more heat in like a blanket, Mm -hmm. a carbon dioxide blanket, if you will. And the science has been pretty clear on that for uh, several decades. Um, And in most countries, that's not a controversy. In our country, there are certain very conservative Republicans who, for some reason, think it's bogus science, and it's been funded by fossil fuel industry saying this is bogus science. And so a lot of people think it's a controversy, but it's been what we've learned in the last few years is, one, that um, the evidence is stronger than ever and that it's happening faster than we think. Last year, just for perspective, there was a National Academy of Sciences study in which um, two scientists wrote a report on what the risk of temperature going up by 2 degrees Celsius, which is the level the Paris Climate Agreement said we had to hold it to, or 3 degrees, which they described as catastrophic. They described 5 degrees Celsius as more than twice what the Paris Accords would account for. They call that beyond catastrophic. In other words, they said it could destroy human humanity. I mean, it could be that bad. And those scientists actually said there's a 1 in 20 chance that we could have a 5-degree warming by the end of this century. Mm-hmm. That means our great-grandkids will be alive at a time that they're saying there's a 1 in 20 chance things are going to be off the charts in terms of warm. And it's not just everything's going to be hotter. Mm-hmm. Some things get, some places will actually have colder weather because of climate, because of air current streams and so mm-hmm. on. But bottom line is overall more fierce storms, more erratic weather is the big problem. And one of the scientists in that report said, if we want to put this in perspective, mm-hmm. how many of us would buckle our grandchildren or great-grandchildren into an airplane seat if we knew there was a one chance in 20, a 5% chance of the plane crashing? And all of a sudden you think, nobody would do that. That's nuts. And the vast majority of scientists who study the issue say this is a really serious crisis and we can't delay. We have to act. And so um, it's been very frustrating in the U.S. to try and work on this. As as you know, we've been trying and Senate DFL, at least, has been trying to address this issue, but we've been blocked by the Republican majority in the last few years. Mm -hmm. So... To that point, what are the kind of things that we have done? And specifically, what are the things that we need to do as, just as soon as we get back in session to start sure. to deal with these? What sure. are, what are things Some of the things we've, we we've do? done, and again, for the last 20 years, we've been making progress with renewable energy standards, requiring our electricity, for instance, to be generated by wind and solar 
renewable energy. And can we just kind of renewable energy means that renewable means that it's it's not you're not burning something that's a one time mm-hmm. burn. Um, fossil fuels, which were stored in the earth um, over hundreds oil, of yeah, coal, over hundreds of millions gas. of years, yeah, the last six or seven hundred million years of the planet, mm-hmm. um, as plant life decays, it sinks down and becomes fossilized, and we call it fossil fuels. Coal, natural gas, oil, yeah, all those are fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. And as we burn them, we put carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, Mm -hmm. carbon dioxide that was stored in below the ground over those hundreds of millions of years. And in a short period of time of a couple hundred years of human industrial revolution, Mm -hmm. we've been burning ever and ever faster, more and more of that, releasing stuff that had been stored over 600 million years, releasing it in a several hundred year time period, a couple hundred years instead of a couple hundred million years. And so that's really going to change the climate in the ways that humanity's never experienced. And so the fear is that we've got to, the recognition is we've got to do something quickly. So uh, again, um, former Senator Ellen Anderson and others, as early as the 1990s, we were working on that and made some progress. It was actually bipartisan for a number of years. A former Republican senator years ago actually handed out copies of Time magazine special edition on climate change. But for some reason, the Republicans decided that they don't like this anymore. And they just decided it's all bogus. So what happened? What, 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 why do you think that they changed? Was it just simply the, the fossil fuel lobby? The- I think there's some to do with that. There are a lot of big donors from the fossil fuel industry convinced people, we want to downplay this. If you ask them point blank, do you think that humans are causing some climate? Well, I'm not sure. They don't want to say they disagree with it because the science is pretty clear. But they've been denying that. And it's interesting, of roughly 200 countries on the planet, it's a controversy in one country, only Mm -hmm. ours. And it's maybe 20-some percent of the public who believes it's a controversy. The rest of the public basically understands it. They're, They're not sure because they're hearing all this contradictory stuff. But bottom line is the science has been clear. So let's talk a little bit about nuclear energy. So I know that there has been some shifting opinions about uh, if that is a viable alternative or should it be in the mix. I know that kind of the way that I thought about it, um, it was we wanted to shift away from nuclear, but there seems to be more conversation about it being part of a solution over time. I think it's it's largely still, I mean, the reason people want to shift away from it is, one, because we have no clue what to do with the waste. We have zero clue, and this is waste that you have to keep safe from anything for hundreds of thousands of years. I mean, that's a long time. We, we think 30 years down the road is a long time. 30 years back is a long time. Thinking 100 years, none of us were alive 100 years ago. None of us will be alive 100 years from now. we got to keep it safe for humanity's sake for tens of thousands of years. So it's a These huge spent issue. nuclear rods. Yeah, the spent, spent fuel rods and everything else. And um, the other issue is the cost. Because I remember when I was a kid, I'm old enough to remember when they said electricity with nuclear power was going to be so cheap, you wouldn't even need to meter it. It was right. just you'd build the stuff and you'd have unlimited power. That didn't quite pan out to be the way it is. It's far more expensive now than it was then. It didn't get cheaper. It got more expensive. So my argument is, yeah, we don't know. New technologies, nuclear power might stage a comeback. 
the trouble is we have to address the climate stuff in the next 30, 40 years, right. long range. We've got to wipe it out, the climate impact in the next 30 or 40 years. And nuclear power, um, if, they, if you decide tomorrow you want to build a new nuclear plant, it's going to be 15 years before it's built. If you start investing and start the process now, it's going to take that long mm -hmm. to get it because the regulatory system has to be good because of the complexity and the danger of it. And, um, and then just the cost to build it. It's every time they've renewed our energy, our nuclear power plants in Minnesota, they say it's going to be a $300 million project, and $700 million later, they finish it. Right. It's always been cost overruns. Cost overruns and right. so so I don't know. I'd say yeah, it's I something we should the keep country, it. They, they, they've kind of scuttled them. Right, right. They've, a lot of them have been in, in, in South Carolina. There's one where South the ratepayers are stuck with $10 billion of cost for a plant that's never going to be built. Right. I mean, it's nuts. And the ratepayers shouldn't be paying for that. So... I'd say we, we shouldn't eliminate nuclear power as a possibility. I think it's unlikely it's going to play a bigger role just because of cost. So tell us a little bit about the energy renewal standard that the governor uh, sure. just talked about that's kind of modeled after California. Right. Uh, how, how is that going to play out in Minnesota? Sure. Is there going to be... Is there going to be legislative action that needs to be taken to solidify that? On, on what some that of the, like? sure. I mean, the governor and in the Senate, Senator Nick Friends has been working on this heavily, and um, and I'm really pleased to see this happening. They're pushing to say we should have 100% renewable power by 2050. I think is in their bill right now. Um, they want to have that happen. We have to make that happen, and well, and I think it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I just think that you need the legislation to push it. Every time we've set standards for the utilities, they grumble and grumble and grumble about it, and then they exceed the standards. Right. They beat the standards, the timeline we spell out in law. What it does is it forces them to talk about it, forces them to look at it, and in the end, it's been very effective. So I'd say that um, that the governor's thing is a huge plus. And, um Again, Senator Friends pushed that he can't get a hearing in the Senate. The House is happy to pass it, but the Senate Republicans refuse to give the bill a hearing. So, so, so to that point, the Majority Leader Senator Gazelka, in a, in a recent op-ed, said that it was going to cost regular Minnesotans a lot of money. They won't, they won't be able to afford. I think I, I was going to yeah, look at yeah, his oh, quote. Yeah, he, he wasn't going to afford the F one fifty. You know, like just the, what we kind of think of quintessential Minnesotan. They won't be able to do it. They won't right. be able to have their pickup truck because. Oh yeah, yeah. It's the governor's the so governor's clean car standards, which which is something I carried legislation on that a decade ago, and then President Obama basically enacted that on a national level. So we stopped working on it here because it was taken care of at the national level. President Trump undid that, um, thinking he was doing a favor to the business community and auto industry. Auto industry, they might have liked them a little bit weaker, but they, didn't, they weren't all in favor of tossing them all out. Right. I think the auto industry is kind of stuck now because they were pushing to weaken them a little bit and and the president went beyond what they wanted and said, let's just throw the whole thing out. Right. So Governor Walls said, let's adapt the California standards, which are pretty close to what the national ones would have been. The governor, has, Governor Walls, to his credit, has said, we'll do that administratively, which he can do. Right. It'll take a couple years to do. But the bottom line is, I, when I carried the bill 10 years ago, we had the same thing from the auto dealers and the Republicans were all saying, Oh, this is going to drive up the cost of cars. This is going to make you can't drive your favorite vehicle. Well, you know, they tend to be wrong on that. I, I mean, the same thing with these 
electric energy standards, the clean energy requirements. Um, they've been they were telling us back in the '90s when we first put them in place. They were saying, "Oh, this is going to drive our electric bills off the charts." Right? Has you that ask, happened? No. If you ask the utilities, uh, one are of the, the auto, energy is the, is the automotive uh, uh, thing is going to uh, be this. Uh, are, they, are they still selling cars? They're still selling cars. They'll keep selling cars, right. and they'll keep they'll make good money doing whatever they're doing. Right. They're good at that. Um, and the bottom line is that, like with the with the energy, the renewable energy standards for electricity, the utilities. If you check the numbers since they started pushing for wind and solar and so on, um, their rates. They will all but one of the cooperative power companies, all the investor-owned ones, the Excel Energies, mm-hmm. Minnesota Power, all the big ones, they all effectively either broke even or saved money on the standards over the last 20, 30 years. So it actually helped rate payers. Right. So we That's, help rate payers. And we, we clean the, up the environment. Clean up the environment. And, and they still jobs. make money. And they create jobs. And they create jobs. You know, there are a lot more jobs per megawatt of power, a huge unit of power. There are a lot more jobs created per megawatt of solar power or wind power than there are jobs in the coal power. Can stuff. we talk a little bit about that? Because sure. I think that that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we're hearing about these jobs. What are those jobs sure. and, and what... Like, how can people get connected to them? Because I think that there's a disconnect it's sometimes exactly right. in, in communities right. around understanding that what the opportunities are sure. around a renewable standard because they don't really know what it is. So what kind of jobs sure. uh, are, are Huge available? Huge range soon? of them. But before we get to okay. one, one quick thing about why there are more jobs. With the coal and fossil fuel industry, you're spending a lot of money shipping dollars out of the state, shipping them elsewhere mm-hmm. to buy something you're going to literally burn. We're burning our money. Right. We're spending the money on fuel. With mm-hmm. wind and solar, there's no fuel you buy. It mm-hmm. comes, it's free. The sun power is free. The mm-hmm. wind power is free. Mm-hmm. So you're, the cost, if, if they're dollar for dollar even, and mm-hmm. now the renewables are getting cheaper, but if they're dollar for dollar the same, instead of sending the money elsewhere to buy fuel, right. you're spending the money on jobs to install, to build, install, maintain, operate, um, it's like install solar panels. Right, because uh, it's a lot smaller. Instead of these huge power plants that have hundreds mm-hmm. of employees, you have solar panels on lots of roofs and wind farms on lots of farmers' fields, all of which take people to build the wind turbines, mm-hmm. to build, to install the wind turbines, maintain. to operate and maintain them. There's a lot of work in that because there are lots of small power plants instead of one big one, and that's actually a lot more jobs per any unit of power mm-hmm. Not costing more, but instead of buying fuel, you're spending money on the employees. What are the jobs? That's why a lot of, I think one of us, I think you and I and others agree, we have to be doing more outreach into communities where there's high unemployment, North Minneapolis and so on. Um, Because a lot of these jobs are good. They're union jobs in a lot of cases that are electrical workers. They're people who are manufacturing, people who are installing and so on. And there's so many of these jobs, and it doesn't take somebody that long to get trained for it. So we have to do a much better job in the pipeline of getting people from unemployment to getting them trained for doing this and getting them into the industry. And I think we've got to do a better job of working with some of the unions to make sure that people in some of these communities understand those jobs are available. Good, good. Well, I think that that's really important. I think that there is a sometimes there's a disconnect between the kind of philosophical idea of 
saving the earth, which I think everybody right, right. should want to do, right. and what and all of the various terminology that maybe people kind of understand or don't, mm-hmm. um, but not always understanding or not always understanding the practical application. Exactly, of because that issue. because when it comes down, it's that's Minnesota businesses, yes. Minnesota employees, Minnesota jobs, and it's something we we all benefit from. That I mean, some people. I always tell Republicans, if you don't believe in climate change, just do it because it's good for the economy and good for jobs, good for the customers. <laughs> absolutely, you absolutely. You don't have to care about the environment. Absolutely. You should care about the environment. But if they don't care, they should at least want to do it for the jobs. So looking forward, mm-hmm. um, next session, from now to next session, and then when the session starts, um, what are the things that we're going to need to do to really start okay. to kind of get this train back on track? Sure. Um, among other things, again, when I said at the beginning how how scary this could be, it could wipe. Mm-hmm. It's already wiping out certain species. It's already causing sea levels to rise. Already causing storms to be more severe. We got so many five hundred year storms. The kind mm-hmm. supposed to occur once every five hundred mm-hmm. year happening these days. Every year, it's happening every. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's just off the charts in that, and that's. That's the current climate. That's the new climate normal, but not the new normal for a long time. The new climate normal for 2019, 2020, 21, 22, it's going to be worse. 2030, it's going to be worse yet. We're going to have a lot more. I mean, our insurance rates for property stuff because of flooding and because of high windstorms is is going to go off the charts. And it's you ask the insurance industry about the most conservative industry you can get. Ask them what they feel about climate change. They may not use the words, but they'll tell you things are getting much worse and they're having so many more roof repairs, hail damage, so much more flooding damage and so on. And so um, it's a huge thing we have to do. So what do we do? Well, first of all, we continue a lot of the things we've been pushing, the things Governor Walls and the House Democrats and we in the Senate have to be pushing on. We have to overcome the Senate Republican opposition to it, and that's very frustrating. Um, Governor Walls on the clean cars, he can move forward on that administratively, and he is. And I think that's a huge step forward. Um, But I I think it's going to be when Senator Gazelka says, oh, we won't be able to buy the kinds of vehicles they want. Um, First of all, as we electrify vehicles, people are finding out some of these electric cars are more powerful than gas cars. That's right. Um, And... And as we convert to a clean energy electric economy, we have to convert our transportation system that way. We're going to have to make changes in agriculture and a whole range of practices we have as a state, and we don't have a choice. You, know, you talk to the young people, this 16-year-old girl from Sweden, is, is in one year she went from being a lone student protesting in front of the Swedish parliament to having 4 million people out protesting September 20th. Right. It was a huge change, and to me... Um, the young folks, they're the ones who are going to be living through this. The older folks may say, it doesn't matter, bother me. President Trump say, oh, it doesn't affect me. Well, if he cares about his grandkids, maybe right. he should. Right. So we need to activate. We need to get everybody involved. We need to, you know, there's a, I know you know the Bible pretty well. There's something in there that says that uh, the, 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 the young will lead us out of the out Yeah, of there, there's lots of things. That, <laughs> I, I think... You know, that's that's not just related to energy issues. Right. 
But young folks leading us, I keep thinking after Parkland school shooting, yes. it was high school kids saying, you guys are scared to have a debate about adult conversation about guns, so we're going to lead one. Yes. On climate, they seem yes. to be doing it. And that I hope that gives a real wake-up call yes. to like the Republicans in the Senate saying, we better act, because I think there are a lot of us in the DFL who are saying, we've been waiting way too long. We've got to be much more aggressive on Absolutely. this. Absolutely. I think you're right. Well, Senator, it looks like we're getting towards the end of our uh, journey here on on our podcast. Is there any closing comments uh, you'd like to have on this issue? And of course, there are a lot of things that we talk about, and we're going to have you back. But uh, on this, is there any kind of you know kind of a statement or right. closing statement? Sure. The, the one thing you want to say, we want people to understand, is this is a crisis. It's something we have to take more seriously than any other issue mm-hmm. for the sake of humanity. I mean, it's that real. Mm-hmm. Those scientists were right. Who would buckle their grandkids in an airplane if? If any chance the plane's going to crash, we have to take it seriously, but there's a chance to do something. This is the best way forward to create jobs, best way forward to boost the economy, and, and it's essential to do it. We have no choice but to do it if we care about the future for the environment and for our planet. Senator John Marty, thank you for being on Call of the Senate. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Call of the Senate. I'm Senator Jeff Hayden. Thank you.